from Podcast One and the Voice of the American People, it's time to fight back with Barbara Boxer. It's so hard, I think, for the average person who has to get up in the morning to follow this stuff. This is a problem solvable. All we have to do is look around the world. They have made a difference in Florida. It's it's unbelievable. Listen free and subscribe to Fight Back with Barbara Boxer, exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the Podcast One app. If you love the show, share it with a friend and leave us a rating and review. Hey, welcome to the Dr. Drew Podcast, everybody. Support the pirate ship, get the swinging sounds. Support the people that support the podcast. Uh, this is Hydrolite and it's uh, Bergamot. These things are really great products. And uh, certainly Susan is using them every damn day and is a huge enthusiast, my wife. Uh, but in any event, we appreciate it. Check out the uh, YouTube page. Uh, also check out the Facebook page. We do a lot of Facebook Live there these days. The uh, You Live podcast with Bob Forrest and with Mike Catherwood. And the new one, the Swole Patrol. You can see all the craziness I'm getting into with my diet and lifting. Uh, again, today, I'm privileged to welcome Lillian Garcia. Lillian is the host of Chasing Glory with Lillian Garcia, strangely enough. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's great to be here. Tell me about the pod. The podcast. Well, you know, the whole concept was because I actually worked at WWE for 15 years and I got to really meet these superstars that are just so amazing. And I saw that outside people have such a perceptive, a perception of wrestlers being like meatheads and, and all of that. And I was like, man, if people could just really see who these people are and get to know their stories because that was the other thing too. I couldn't they're, believe – They're human stories. They're personal they're, stories. I mean their struggles that they've endured and overcome mm. and then gotten to where they are. That's what was really intriguing to me. So I decided to do Chasing Glory, the whole journey of it. And what I've gotten is something that was just – it's really amazed me at how open everybody has – from sharing, you know, that they were molested for many, many years, dealing with drugs and alcohol or, uh, you know, dealing with abuse and all and how they've overcome that. I remind everybody that you can follow Lillian at LillianGarcia.com, at Lillian Garcia's Twitter handle. She, of course, was announcer for the WWE from 99 to 2009, then 2011, 2017. So years with these guys. Um you know, this when I see look at some of these guys, I have no doubt they're trauma survivors. That's what trauma survivors do. They, <laughs> they make their bodies big and they get involved in sort of aggressive acting out. Drugs and alcohol is always part of it. My, you know, my greatest fear, what you're describing is I will share with you that people that get sober from drugs and alcohol and continue to use steroids die, period. Right. That's, that's how people die. I've, uh, it, it, other than... The combination of opiates and benzodiazepines, the only other way I've lost a patient in the last 20 years is a patient that wouldn't come clean. It wouldn't stop using the steroids and growth yeah. hormone. And they'd stop the cocaine. they stop the alcohol. They die. And they die young. Well, that's why it was so amazing that WWE, they actually did the, the wellness program. And it was testing. And they go through testing, like rigorous testing. If you fail, you get suspended. You fail twice. You get suspended even longer. No pay. Third time, you're out. But then they also have a program where they help, they help, they help, they put you in rehab. So it's it's really helped the community a lot in that whole, that whole who, industry. Who is overseeing that? That would be Vince McMahon and so, doctors. So Vince, yeah. Vince has his own sort of internal system? I don't know all the ins and outs of who does the testing. But I know from what I understand, it's outside testing that does this. Mm-hmm. And they have their doctors there that oversee it. Hmm. So it's... It's still concerning because if you're a bodybuilder, you're on steroids, period. That's just the way it works. I it's, don't think so. Oh, 100%. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't, I, these, they come to me all the time but and they're ask not for bodybuilders. It. Anymore. They go to the gym. They do all of that. But they're not they, – they're not, this is not bodybuilding competition. This know, is but wrestling. It's a, but those guys are – please believe me because <laughs> they all come to me and they ask for stuff. And, and it's in the off season and they cycle off. They know exactly how to manipulate the, the, the game. I mean, they're, they're expert chemists. Uh, and but they have to. I mean, they, you don't look like that without. You, there's no look at the go look at the natural bodybuilding uh, competitions, and you'll see the difference between somebody on steroids and somebody that's not. So it just worries me when somebody has trauma, has sexual abuse, and has a history of drugs and alcohol, and yet yet continues even with medical management. Now they they can be. I suppose it can be mitigated a bit with careful medical management. Uh, probably putting in somebody else's hands. Mm-hmm probably is a safer way to go because the ones I've lost are always doing it themselves. 
Uh, yeah. So there's something to that. And, and there are plenty, plenty, plenty of doctors that supervise these people on their cycles a lot. Uh, it's, it's more common than you might imagine it, everywhere in high school football and, you know, even just re- – it's, it's not healthy. It's not good. It's, you know, even weekend warrior bodybuilders do it all the time. And it's concerning. It's concerning. It's all people don't really understand the full the full impact. But if you're a drug and alcoholic, alcoholic drug addict, and then you keep doing it, that's the population I worry about most. Yeah. Because they just do. You know, if it's just an average person doing steroids, like eh, I worry they're going to get cardiomyopathy or strokes or liver disease later, but not imminently when they're young. Happens something happens later. What's the what was the most hair raising story you've heard? Of of what do you mean? Of trauma and abuse. Well, I mean, like I said, there was a story. Somebody that really surprised me, Mickey James, that she came on my podcast. I worked with her for oh, it's like a, it's 12 a, years. We're talking about men though, right? No, it's men and women. Men and women. Okay, yeah. yeah. So she came on my podcast and she just openly talked about how she was molested for eight years or six years. And um, you know, from when she was eight to she was 16. And I was like, whoa, I worked with you for 12 years and never knew this. And she hid it, you know, because she thought that it was her fault. She was ashamed, all of that. And so I was like, you know, no wonder there would be times that she would have an amazing match. And I'd see her backstage and I'd see her in the locker room and I'd say like, oh my gosh, Mickey, you tore it up there. And then she's like, thanks. But then I'd see this, like this sadness you know, behind her eyes. So when we were talking and I mentioned that to her and she was like, yeah, I was really struggling on how to still deal with it. And it was her uncle. And so it was still like lingering things, you know, and, and I was like, that's, it just stunned me that you could work with somebody that long and not know that they had gone through that. It's it's very common. It's a, it's, it's exceedingly common. That's what it, it's like. That's what I mean. Like, and then Charlotte Flair came on and talked about you know Ric Flair's uh, daughter and came on and talked about how she was abused by her husband and her ex and how that's traumatized her and how she actually, you know, Charlotte Flair is the name the the persona that you see on TV because her real name is Ashley. The the Charlotte Flair on TV. She says, "I did it." As an alter ego. Right. That's who I want to be. That's who is fearless. That's, who, you know, all of that. She was saying, that's who I strive to be. Right. And that's what really amazed me by all these stories. Well, it, it's really important. Uh, one thing I noticed to pre celebrities is they almost all don't use their real name. When they're traumatized, they all create a cartoon persona that they use to put out into the world. And when you're, you're dealing with them, mm-hmm. call them by their real name. Because otherwise, you're not really con- – it, it's, it's a very weird thing when they develop these personas that they put out in the world. It's unhealthy. Oh, wow. It's very unhealthy. And, and trauma survivors do that typically. And celebrity trauma survivors – I mean, when we did celebrity rehab, every single person in the room had a different name, their actual name. We'd have to go, what's your real name? And we'd start calling them by their real name. And that's when you – some people turned around immediately just with that. Wow. Because no one ever called them. No one yeah. ever called out the real person. It's true. There's yeah. a lot of them that I – well, because I was also a ring announcer, I started you know, calling them by their real name. But then when I'd go out there to announce, yeah. I'd have to switch, you yeah, know, flip. Yeah. And I remember one of them in particular, I wanted to – I always called him Phil. So when he came out there, I was like, oh, my God, I know his name is Phil, but he's not – that's he's not his stage now. name. So what the heck? Yeah. And um, thank God I remembered it the last second. But because of my job, for my reasons, I decided I, I have to call everybody by their show name yeah. because I have to remember everybody oh, yeah, like yeah. that. You know? yeah, yeah. But I get what that you're saying. That makes sense. That yeah. makes perfect sense. Now, my notes here, it says you had a bulimic issue for a while. Yes. I actually was – I became bulimic. I was trying to think the exact age, but it's somewhere around 16 or Mm -hmm. something like that. And, you know, I never had an issue at all growing up with uh, weight, luckily. And then I hit college. So maybe it was 18 because – 18, 19. I hit college and all of a sudden everything I was eating was sticking on to me and I didn't know how to eat. And all of us, I, I didn't know how to handle this, you know, having extra weight on me and not having that issue for all those years and being at that critical time to 18, 19, boyfriends, all of that, where you're really focused on your looks. Mm-hmm. And so I remember that I did, you know, at first I thought, I, of course, you always think you have it under control, right? Right. So I, right. And I was hiding and everything like that. And it wasn't until I actually I found myself one day I was in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, South Carolina, living there, 
And one day I literally went to multiple places and like I'd go to 7-Eleven and buy a bunch of donuts and this and cookies and all of that and I'd eat it. And then I'd go to the McDonald's, I'd go to the bathroom and I'd purge it there and then I'd order us, you know, hamburger and mm. sundaes and all of that. And then I'd go to the next location. <laughs> I purged 15 times that day. Wow. 15. And I remember it was finally when I it, blood came out. Uh. And so that was my your bottom. That was my bottom. Mm. That was when the light came off when I said, I need help. This is beyond what I can control. And at that point, it was more, it wasn't even about weight anymore. It was literally, I lost control or it was a way that I thought I had control, right? So I actually, I got outpatient help. But the problem was though, that I went to this clinic with a doctor and all, and then and then I'd sit with other women there too. But then I'd learn about some of the other things that they'd use, like laxatives and also mm-hmm. what did I do to go home and try laxatives? And that was horrible. <laughs> I Your legs even... swell up and get all that stuff that oh, we tried to stop? It was the cramp. I, I couldn't even start. I mean, like, yeah. the, the first day, the cramping was yeah. so bad I couldn't. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, but I luckily I ended up getting enough help where I was – it was manageable. But it still took me years and years to be able to be completely 100 percent like, you know, yeah. now – and I started doing the whole thing where I counted the year. OK, I'm, you know, one year or when it came close. But then I'd do something and I'd, I'd purge again. Mm-hmm. So I've stopped counting. So I don't even know how long it's been. Yeah. But what, a, what a journey. Where would you grow up? So I grew up in Madrid, Spain. Mm. My dad was in the army. So he was a lieutenant colonel and he worked for the American embassy in Spain. So I grew up there for eight years and then I moved to South Carolina. Did your mom work? No, she she raised us. I mean, yeah. How many siblings? Yeah, I have a sister, older sister. sister. Is that, that all you've had? Is the, yeah, yeah, just the two of us. And you know, sometimes military guys can be tough to deal with. Was he rough? No, he was awesome. And my dad was – <laughs> he was a teddy bear. It was my mom who disciplined us for sure. What does that mean? Which I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Uh, because kids, she... kids that are believe often had some physical abuse. And oh, if, if, really? um And if, if you were struck by your mom, that's physical abuse. That's not discipline. That's physical abuse. Well, I mean, that, no, no. We grew up no, in. No, no, no. We... That's physical abuse. <laughs> you can't. It's that's 100. Yeah. percent I mean, So what kind of what kind of physical abuse? Well, I mean, it was the 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 typical, you know, you're in trouble and you get the spanking. Did they pick up an object and hit you with anything? No, I don't remember that at all. No. Yeah. But it was it wasn't even my dad. It was really my mom. She mm. she definitely disciplined us. For Did she sure. ever? Mm, the way you discipline kids is not physical abuse. That's no, uh, I know, but I'm so. saying she's the one that had the curfews. You would think it would be my dad, yeah. military man, yeah. <laughs> but she definitely had the curfews. Yeah, adverse childhood experiences that lead to eating disorders, you know, physical abuse, sexual abuse, neglect, uh, those are, you know, divorce. Those are all the things that you – know, the antecedents to things like eating disorders and drug and alcohol use because uh, it, it, it breaks up the regulatory system in the brain. And so you can't mm. – you literally can't regulate. So bulimia is one stra- strategy to try to regulate and then it loses control. And um, – he didn't, she never picked up anything, no, never hit you with a paddle or anything like that? Or I don't remember any paddle. Did she ever hit you in the face? No. Just always in the, no. On the back? Or... No. Um, no. I, I, you know, I do remember – I remember a belt. Mm. I do remember a belt. That's bad. Every now and then. Yeah, that's bad. You know, it's the, the no, no. thing. No, no, no. Understand. Don't dismiss it. Don't I dismiss it. It is physical my abuse. My sweet mom. I, well, she, no, she did. She, I'm not saying she's she, a bad person. She didn't right. know what else to do. She didn't But know. let's not mince words. This right. is full on. You, she'd be arrested in this country today with that. Yeah. So. Well, back then, it wasn't. It was the norm. Mm, I know. Yeah. And, but it, we're now dealing with it. You know, that's my work all the time is dealing right. with the consequences of that. And, we, and you know, every single person that's been physically abused calls it discipline and then protects the, the perpetrator and, you know, wants to minimize it. But it has this profound. Yeah. It has profound effect. Did she ever hit you with the buckle side of the belt? No, that Just I don't the, no. the leather part. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tough. Imagine how old were you when that all started? Um, I, I don't, I, I know, I'm thinking that it had to be after eight because I remember very well that South Carolina, I mean that in Spain, it was so happy, Mm. just so happy, Mm. great childhood. And then when we moved, I think that both of them were so upset at moving Hmm. and, 
just really wanted to, to live there, especially my mom really mm. wanted to live there. So I, uh, you know, I, I would say that it would be after. Did she and get they didn't get they didn't get along well at all. My parents fought like oh like crazy. So domestic abuse was uh, there domestic violence? No, they never yeah. hate each other. Thank yeah. goodness, but boy, could they yell! So domestic abuse. Oh, I just remember like going into the closet, yeah. and that was my place. I would turn off the light, go in the closet, and cry like a baby. So trauma again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So lots of trauma. Yeah. I would say definitely after yeah. we moved from Spain, for sure. That's rough. Whoops. I'm sorry about that. Um, that's rough, that kind of trauma. It, it, it definitely leaves a residual and sets up, again, eating disorders. And we, we used to, our patients sort of had the trifecta. They would eat disorder, cut, and drugs. That was, that was sort of all our patients would get. Did you ever cut on yourself or anything? No. 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 I, people didn't do that then, really. They didn't, I, you yeah, I don't think I – for it. <laughs> you wouldn't know to do it. I don't know that I would have had the to, the, to really <laughs> seriously. I'm not into pain, <laughs> like that kind of pain. I, no, I get it. well, it, people do it as sort of a way to zone out. They kind of some. They're different strategies that yeah. people use when they're doing that. Um, yeah, it's. And did you ever do any trauma therapy or anything? Are we aware of talking about that stuff in your group process? Or no, I I don't recall that. I just remember. I do remember that I joined Weight Watchers. That was the one thing that actually helped me because what I figured was – I mean what I found out, I didn't know how to eat because I could eat anything I wanted all through you know, yeah. all through childhood. All of a sudden, you know, everything, like I said, was staying on me. So my doctor had said, why don't you join Weight Watchers and that way you can learn portions and this and proteins and carbs and all that. And I'm really grateful yeah. for that for sure. And that saved me. And, and um, I'm just thinking about an eight-year-old. I mean, look at an eight-year-old girl sometimes. See how tiny they are and imagine yourself hitting that girl with a belt. Yeah. I mean, just imagine no, I it. It's just unthinkable. And yet, you know, if that, if that, what happens if, that, if people had that done to them, it's easy for them to – about 60 percent of the time, they'll, they'll do it right on down to – it's intergenerational trauma transmission. Right. And so they're having horrible you know, disputes and domestic uh, yeah. uh, emotional abuse and do they resolve it? Do they do okay? No, I mean, they just stayed together. Yeah. I mean, literally, my dad just passed away mm-hmm. uh, two years ago, and a uh, year and a half. And uh, yeah, I mean, I literally, my sister and I were like, "Oh my god, how the heck did you guys?" I mean, they were they were together for sixty two years. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how the heck did you guys last that long? <laughs> You've been you're married now, are you? Yes. Yeah. How long are you married? <laughs> I've been married eight years. Well, bef- earlier, before you got treatment for bulimia, did you have trouble trusting people? I have that? trouble trusting women, mm-hmm. but that's also because, and there was, I guess, another trusting thing or another trauma. When I moved from Spain and I went to the school in South Carolina, you know, I was wearing dresses because in Spain you wear dresses to school. All of a sudden, everybody's wearing jeans and they're looking at me. I'm, I'm look different. I sound different because I speak Spanish oh and all of that. So immediately, I'm the outsider. Oh boy, so bullying. And bring oh, on the bullying. Oh, bring on the bullying. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. I've done many anti-bullying <laughs> rallies because I have a story, you know, and I tell people you can overcome it. It does hurt, man, and there are scars. And so to this day, I still have. Trouble and and that's why I loved with WWE in, in the locker room. You know that I was faced with. It ended up to be at first it was rough. It was rough. I wasn't accepted at the very beginning uh, by everybody um, because I came from outside of the wrestling world too. It was the first one to be outside the wrestling. Oh, world. that's interesting. Yeah. So they just how did that happen? Well, they it was an audition that they held, huh. and I, I was working in New York because I lived in New York by then. And my agent was like, we really think that you should do this audition. And I was like, the World Wildlife Fund? They're like, no, World Wrestling Federation. I'm like, wait, what? I'm like, how could I be doing this, right? And he goes, look, just go. You never know. And I didn't even know it was going to be for ring announcer or anything like that. So I show up and we do backstage, like mock-up backstage interviews and all. And I always say this one phrase. I say, God, if it's meant to be, make it obvious. If it's not meant to be, make it obvious. So when I, but I always want to do my best. So I did, uh, you know, I did went out there and I really felt good about it. And then again, I was like, wow, what is this? If they do offer it, should I even take this? Right, right? it's a right. year contract. Um, but they called me and they said, you can, we'd like to try you out for two to three months, and you could quit at any time. Well, that was my obvious. Oh, that's there was cool. no red flags. That wow. was obvious. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to show up and see what this is all about. So I show up, and that was August of 1999, Iowa State University, 
Is and that where you're going to school? No, that's no. where it was uh, held because the show travels right, every right. week to somewhere different. Right. So it was just there in Iowa. And, uh, yeah, I get toured around and I find out at 3.30 that afternoon that I'm ring announcing that night and replacing the legend Howard Finkel. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was crazy. What did you think? I was how did you prep, I guess? mortified. Yeah. And, but then at the same time, so I was like, okay, so how do you do this job? Yeah, how do you prep for that? <laughs> how do you I, do this I, job? Yeah. So at 3.30 is when – oh, no, at 5 – yeah, around 3.30, they sat with me. Tony Chimmel sat with me and told me exactly what to say, how to say it, and like these little cue cards, right? So I, I'm writing everything. Scribble, scribble, scribble. <laughs> I immediately go. I have 45 minutes to change. I go out to ringside. I watch him do one hour's worth of what they a show called Sunday Night Heat. So that was my that was my prep. That oh was my this is how you do it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is during the attitude era. So like anything went. Oh. Um so yeah, so then and you got to remember like during that time it's The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Triple H. I mean, you name it of the attitude era, they were there. I though didn't know who anybody was because I I watched as a kid with my dad. Sure, but then I fell out of it when yeah. I went to school. Right, I knew who Ric Flair, I knew Andre the Giant, you know, but they weren't there. <laughs> Too funny. And uh, yeah, so then I so I'm watching as I'm watching Tony do this. I'm like, okay, so this is how you do this. I remember I got out of these cue cards. I can't read my own scribble. Oh, I'm rewriting no. everything. Oh, no. 20 minutes before we go on the air, Mark, who sits next to me, who rang the bell, looked at me. He goes, you know you can't use cue cards, right? What? <laughs> exactly. Why not? I said, wait. First of all, bad time for a joke. He's like, yeah. no, I'm not joking. He goes, no, the executive producer of the show doesn't like cue cards. This is not boxing. Oh, my God. So I'm like, wait, but I don't know anybody. Now I have to know their towns, their weights, what kind of match. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. What did all, you do? All of these things. So I have photographic memory. Oh. So I oh, would well, good just for you. That's fantastic. That's a really the, cool thing. I would look at the piece of paper and I'd memorize it in my mind and then I went out there and I'm literally kind of like, it looks like I'm in the off zone, but I'm reading it from my mind. Good for you. That's fantastic. But I still messed up a lot. But, I oh, mean, but still, come on. I mean, that's amazing. So, so everyone I know that has that kind of photograph, remember, where you actually yeah. would look at a page in yes. your mind, has Hungarian background. Isn't anything really? like that? Yeah, I have to I do know. the DNA test. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, it may or may not be. That's just yeah. my own little anecdotal experience. Interesting. But uh, you don't know unaware you're on your dad's side or anything. Not anymore. at all. We're all Spanish, Latinos. <laughs> Spain, Spain. From Spain, Puerto Rico. Yeah. yeah. See how that could so, be Hungarian uh, connection. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> True car, everybody. Yep, there's something about True Car a lot of people don't know. It can help you buy a used car. Well, if you don't know, you should know by now because Adam and I have been talking about it. In fact, there are over 500,000 pre-owned vehicles available from True Car certified dealers nationwide. So whether you're looking to buy new or used, you can get upfront pricing information that empowers discounts off the list price for used and new cars. It's a better buying experience through our True Car Certified Dealer Network. As I said, there are over 500,000 pre-owned vehicles available. You'll see what other people paid either on the True Car app or go to truecar.com. You'll find out what a fair price is in your area and you feel confident. And then you connect with a local certified dealer of your choosing. Enjoy a quick, easy buying experience. So using that True Car app or the True Car website, you can easily find the new or used car you want. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit truecar.com or download that True Car app to enjoy a better buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Very excited to welcome our friends at Bergamet back to the program. Of course, this is a brand that made an impact on me. I recommend my patients. I've taken it myself. They've got a variety of supplements that are made from the extract of the bergamot citrus fruit. The bergamot, that's right. These supplements act as natural statins. They can improve a number of cardiovascular conditions as well as symptoms of the so-called metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high blood sugar, insulin resistance. Now the makers have a formulation called Bergamet Sport. This provides all the same cardiovascular benefits with additional additives designed to aid athletes and those with an active lifestyle. Bergamet Sport may help improve stamina as well as reduce recovery time and muscle inflammation. In an ongoing study, professional soccer players were asked to use Bergamet Sport and they documented improvements in performance. They've been very impressive data. I've used the product myself. I've recommended it to patients. Very important for non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. There's some great data there. Other physicians have recommended and cardiologists around the world. 
And for a limited time, our listeners can save 10% on their order entering the code DRDREW, that's Dr. Drew, at checkout. All one word, try Bergamot Sport for yourself. Visit bergamot.com, that is B-E-R-G-A-M-E-T.com, or click on the Bergamot banner at drdrew.com. 310 Shakes, people are using them for weight loss. It's taken the world by storm. You see it everywhere. The reason is people are really reporting that it works. It's uh, more than just a weight loss shake, though. It's actually good nutrition, protein, and it's certainly a complete replacement for your junk food. No sugar, no artificial sweeteners, no artificial flavors, and none of the fillers and chemicals that most diet shakes have. It is plant-based. It is made with protein, fiber, natural flavors, and that is, in fact, what makes it amazing. It tastes good. It will actually help you with your weight loss. So go to 310nutrition.com and check out their blog and recipe pages. You'll learn a lot about this product and their company. If you want to lose weight, this may be the company to do it with, 310nutrition.com. They're having a huge sale right now. Once again, go to 310nutrition.com. Use the code DREW, DRIW, at checkout, and you'll have free shipping and a free shaker cup. That is at 310nutrition.com. Blinds Galore, buddy. You know how I love these guys. They do one thing better than anyone else. They make 100% custom window treatments built to your exact specifications down to every detail. They are more than just the blinds aisle in a hardware store. They are a company that cares about you. They send you free samples. It's all free shipping. They have expertise. Over 2 million windows and counting, and they make it easy, and it's a custom product you will love. Nothing makes them happy until you are happy. Don't bother with the stress of going out to the store when you can do everything at blindsgalore.com right from home. Every piece is completely custom, and you'll save a ton compared to the big box stores. You'll get a product that was made custom for you. 20 years of experience selling blinds and shades. That's all they do. It's blindsgalore.com. They've mastered the art of helping you create the perfect window covering. Blinds Galore makes it easy to get the designer blinds and shades you've always wanted without the designer price tag. Go check out BlindsGalore.com and let them know I sent you. That is BlindsGalore.com. Let's go do some calls. Here. Let's uh, okay. go and talk to Robin. Robin, thanks for calling. It's you're on with Lillian Garcia. Robin. Hi, I'm Dr. Drew. How are you? I'm good. What's up? Okay, so I'm single divorced mom. Mm-hmm. I'm 43. 43 years old. Started dating uh, a new guy who's 40, and it's been going great couple months now and this past weekend we had our kind of first intimate time together Mm -hmm. and he could not maintain his erection and I was supportive and he told me it's because he hasn't had sex he's been single for a very long time I was supportive how old is he again he's 40 okay and so I was very supportive and asked you know what can I do or let's take the pressure off and just forget it and try it again later or what have you and he said, it's, I think it's because of my blood pressure meds that I take. And I said, have you ever spoke to your doctor about it? And he said, no, it's too embarrassing. I can't talk about it. Oh, that's ridiculous. We, we hear that but, all the time, believe me. And you I absolutely said, your, should speak up about it. And I said, it's your physician. Yeah, believe <laughs> your, me. That, your, believe me. It's, uh, does he have a female physician, so it's weird for him? Yeah, I think that's the yeah. problem. Yeah, believe but me, I she's heard it and heard it and heard it. Don't even... Yeah, she's seen and heard it all. It's a physician. Yes, of course. And she she wants to know that the medicine he's taking is having this effect. It's not okay. Right. So I said, I said, okay, you think that's what's going on? You need to talk to your doctor. And he said, I can't talk about it. It's too embarrassing. And I said, well, don't you want to fix it? You know, you can't fix it if you don't bring it up with your physician. And I said, is there anything else going on? Anything psychological? I want to help. I really, you know, I really met somebody I want to be with. I really want to help. Good on you. Yeah. So I was being very supportive. And uh, he said, I've also battled depression for many years. That's probably not helping my case. And I said, well, you need to talk to your doctor about about your depression. Do you go to therapy? Do you, have you looked into meds? And he said, I just self-medicate by smoking weed. All right. Well, that's going to work against him, too. So, And so I said, <laughs> I said, well, that's not helping your case either. It's not helping his depression you know? either long term. It makes, tends to make it worse. But So he's got, a, he's got the weed working against him. He's got uh, the medication working against him. Is he overweight? Yes, he yeah, is. Yeah, well, that works against him because all the estrogen. But he's only forty. I mean, he's only forty. And well, here's that's the problem. Still very young. Here's the problem. Did he ever smoke cigarettes? No, he's never smoked cigarettes. Right. He's just you all know right, smoked let, weed, quote to self medicate. Which is not hey, look. If you have a depression, you don't medicate it yourself. Somebody has right, to exactly. treat you. But but exactly. here's the deal. Uh, erectile dysfunction is actually one of the first signs of heart disease. Uh, oh. So in a forty or fifty year old male, when they have erectile dysfunction, I always put them up on a treadmill. 
to make sure there's okay. not something going on. So you need to tell them this could be like a stress test. You mean like yeah. a stress, like a cardiac stress test? Absolutely, okay. because okay. because it can be the it can precede the symptoms of heart disease or a heart attack by quite some time. So often it's a way of you know getting ahead of it. So by and and his blood pressure medicine should actually make it better, not worse, if he's on the right medicine. Right. Okay? Right. So he needs to talk to his doctor, and and he really come on now. He's a big boy. I, I know. I know. I, Listen. Yeah, and I even said, like, don't you want to fix it? Like, here's the deal. I said, I, I'm a doctor, but I'm also a patient, and I'm the worst. Right. Oh my god, am I a bad patient? <laughs> so I understand what he's. I understand his resistance. So you I, do he, understand how he's embarrassed. Oh, part, uh, not the embarrassed part so much as the resistance overall. So he, he doesn't want to stop smoking oh, okay. weed. He doesn't want to talk about erections. But here's the deal: you call, and make the appointment for him. That's usually what gets us in. I, that's more yeah. often than not. That's how men come to the doctor. Right. Okay. Yeah, I get that totally. Yep. All right. Yep. You made Thank the you, Dr. Drew. All right, Kelly, Thank you. Take care. Uh, let's do one more here. This is Autumn. Go ahead, Autumn. Hi, Dr. Drew. Hey, now. What's up? Hi, Lillian. Hi. How are you? Hi, I'm good. <laughs> um, I was calling because um, I have uh, two kids. One mm-hmm. is almost four, and the other is going on 14 months next month. Mm-hmm. And um, are you still I breast- did have a lot of breastfeeding. I'm sorry. You still breastfeeding? No, I just stopped. Uh, I had to uh, start pumping instead of nursing him uh, because he had like a bunch of teeth come in at once and his latch was horrible and it was super (laughs) duper painful. latch was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) He couldn't help himself. But uh, yeah, so I I just stopped pumping and he's fine. Everything's great. But, um, oh, and I did have some postpartum after Mm -hmm. I had him. Um, And I still sometimes sort of spiral down (laughs) when I get like too tired or... I don't know if my diet's funny. I don't know. Um, but I am looking high and low for my sex drive. Mm. It has not returned. I don't even like, I don't, I, I mean, masturbation was kind of my bread and butter. <laughs> Your go-to? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was like the constant, like at least I'm still masturbating, but that, I'm not even really interested in that. And right. I remember listening to Loveline a long time ago and people would describe, like, girls would describe masturbating as, like, I just don't get it. It yes. doesn't make sense. Yes, and yes. I thought that they were crazy. Right. So, but now this is my life. Okay. I'm, so, I understand it now. So that problem, I'm going to guess, you have any questions for Julian? Uh, no, 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 go ahead. William? Uh, you know, it's, it's just like with men, testosterone is what creates that drive, and particularly the drive to masturbate. So I'm going to guess you are either have a sort of an androgenic drive from progesterone or you have high levels of testosterone or you respond oh. to testosterone rather well. And so I, I have low T. <laughs> well, not low T. It's a little okay. different in women, but but sure. y, you know you were breastfeeding that can do all this, and so you you mm-hmm. want to give yourself a couple months, maybe even four to six months after you stop breastfeeding to see if things don't come back. Okay. Got to exercise, right? When do things? No, I'm not doing anything because you know I also back. have a three. I almost have a four year old. Right, so. Listen, I get it, and and some so of this. I, by the end of the day, I'm not interested. I don't, I'm not interested in myself. I'm not interested in my husband. I'm not. I just want to watch. Real Housewives. Hey, some of this <laughs> yeah. is that. I'm going to tell you what. The kids, like, I always tell women, t- kids, like, put a little tube in your side and suck your soul out all day. Yeah, wow. and yeah, that's why I don't have kids. <laughs> and they don't do that to dad. They don't do that yeah. to dad the same way. I mean, even yeah. when you try to, as dad, you try to get in the way of that, Mm-mm, when it's mom, it's got to be mom. Yeah. It's, it's, ugh. And so some of this is that, right? So kind of yeah. g- give yourself a break. Let's see if their biology gets better after the breastfeeding is, and the pumping and whatnot stops. And if not... Well, because I have stopped. I think it's been... Well, I guess it's only been like three weeks. Maybe. Yeah, give, give it some more time. Is your weight up or anything okay. since, since the pregnancy? Eh, it's not great. Well, it's so, one four. I'm, I'm around 138 so do, and I'm 5'2". Do all the right... It's not. But do all the right things. You know, lose yeah, but the that's weight. A little bit, I don't, I'm not happy with it. You know? do, do all the right things. Exercise again. Just try to find some autumn time. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I was going to say, I was wondering, yeah, Autumn, I was just going to ask you, is there a way that you can, because I usually get up at like in the five o'clock hour and meditate and get my workout in mm-hmm. so I can get it mm-hmm. out of the way because otherwise it's not going to get done. So I don't know if that's, it's become my quiet, beautiful moment, you know, that me time. Yeah. Is there a way that you can do that? Could just your husband get in the habit? grant you that somehow? <laughs> yeah. Could you run in there and, you know, take over? Oh, yeah, that's all fine. I mean, our son, I, when he wakes up, you know, I bring him in the bed, and then our daughter wakes up, and I bring her in the bed. Um, so that, they're all snug in the bed. It's fine. But the other side of it is that I just, I, I also feel pretty lazy. It's really like I don't want to even put in the work for myself. Like you said, like my soul is gone. I'm not interested <laughs> in keeping myself. I'm not well, interested in... You're, you're, you're depleted, right? You're depleted. Yeah. 
And, and again, you've got to you got to turn that around. You got to get active. Give, you, you're motivational. Come yeah, on, no, that's what this. I'm saying. You said if you can get literally when that alarm goes off, don't even hit snooze. Just try. Just say, okay, I'm going to try this for a week, yeah. and let me just see how I feel. And if you just will, just get up, but make it before you start getting the kids into bed, like way before all. Oh, of but that. that's like that would be like now. <laughs> Because they come in like around midnight. <laughs> oh, they come in at midnight. Okay, well, can they hear oh, girl, you when you get crazy. off? At, but it's can crazy. you can you hear them when they uh, like if you were to get up at five? Would they stay snuggled in bed? Oh, they'd be fine. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. So if you get up at five five thirty something like that and or go to the other room or six or whatever, right. I'm just saying. <laughs> It doesn't have to be as perfect as Lillian. You know, but I'm just saying before the madness, yeah. before the madness, right. so that you can take mm-hmm. 15 minutes to just go in there and meditate. Even even on YouTube, there's some uh, meditation tapes that you can get that are guided. And yeah. do that for 15 minutes and then even just say, okay, I'm going to do a workout video for 20 minutes. Just something. Yeah. My husband always encourages me, like, why don't you go to the gym? Well, it's good because then it would be it would be something for myself, and I would get to get away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. And then I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm just going to sit here instead. (laughs) (laughs) You're exhausted. You're depleted. You're a little depressed. See if you can try. Yeah, I'm a little. I feel like a little depressed. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I get it. But But this stuff will make you feel better. You got to turn around. You got to be. You'll be more better for your kids and stuff too. I agree, and that's what I worry about too. Is that I'm I'm affecting the kids, and not I mean not the youngest because he's just kind of like being a tiny human but i mean our daughter who's almost four i mean she knows when i get pissed off and i walk away she's like mom where are you going i love you you know so Mm, and i don't like having that effect on her Mm -mm. no bueno right but then i can't stop myself either yeah because you've not set things up properly for yourself so you can not do that yeah you've got you of course you can't now you're depleted and you're overwhelmed and you're we can't take it but if you start building yourself back up this is so common Right? Yeah, I know. This yeah. is part of kids. It's really hard. Thank God. It sounds like you're in a better than average situation with a supportive husband who's creating the room for oh, you. Oh, he's stuff. wonderful. Yeah, so come on now. <laughs> Let's do this, all right? Oh, good luck. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Trudeau. Right, yeah, thank luck. you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, coaches are really important, by the way. You don't, you don't realize how much having somebody oh, there going boom, 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 boom. totally. Yeah, people don't make enough of that. Well, uh, that's why when I get up, I, I actually joined a gym, but it's one of those that actually has the pro, it's F45, that actually has the class that everybody yep. does at the same time. Yep. And so I do that at six. So that's why I say I get up and I have my meditation time and just like me time. Then I go to the gym and then I take my dog out to the beach, like give him his <laughs> time to exercise and and all. Do you live by the beach? That where yeah. You live? Where you guys live? Yeah. Marina Del Rey. Oh, nice. Love it. Mm. Love it. So it just really starts my morning off good, though. I can imagine. Yeah. It sounds fantastic. Totally. Not the average person can't quite pull that off. That's a, that's a heavy yeah. well, structure that's, unless you're bed at 9 o'clock. I don't have kids. I mean, I tried. I couldn't. Mm. Found out we couldn't. Uh, so, you know, it is what it is. And I make the best of it. Did you ever think about adopting or anything? We did. But then my dad got sick. And so I went into caretake mode. Oh, and yeah. Then I took care of my mom for a year. And oh, my so gosh. now she's okay. She's um, in an assisted living place where they can take better care of her. Sure. Some, sometimes uh, you need institutional oh, help. Oh, it was yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. It was, and especially because she's got early dementia. Oh, So my. now we're dealing with that. Yeah, boy. Yeah. So it's been a rough two years of yeah. like almost three now of this. But, you know, that's why we talked about it. We're like, so should we now consider adoption? But we realized what we want to do this year because we're just now got our lives back, really, yeah. and our home back because they were both living with us. Oh, my. Uh, and it was fine. I mean, I'm glad that we did that. What, what happened to your dad? What, what did he have? He had uh, bladder cancer Oof. and it you know, uh, just spread. Yeah. And it was really bad. But, you know, we've decided that we were going to take a trip. We're getting ready to go to Thailand. And Great. we're going to also do some mission work. That's cool. Yeah. And well, we're going to do that. What does your husband do? He owns his own company, Vocariex, and he it's experiential marketing. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. So like, it's cool. So he does, like, huge events. Oh, right, But, like, right, creates right. major experiences. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's, because that's where everything's going yes. now. Everybody wants an experience. Absolutely. Right? Well, to get you out of the house, you better give well, them something. <laughs> but the millennials, really, they, they like, these guys, they spend money on experiences, not on things. Right. And so it's, it's the whole population, at least the younger population, is moving that way. Yeah. So yeah. He loves it. He's great at it. Can you give me, I'm just curious. What an example of something he's created? 
Um, well, like for video games, for yeah. example, you know, he brings the video game to life. Uh. So whatever you see in the game, all of a sudden you show up at the club and he transformed the entire club to look, for example, this one that had the beehive. It looked like the beehive and it, it was amazing. You seriously, you walked in going, oh my God, I just stepped into the video game. D- does he have like set builders or something? What does he oh, do? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. He's got all those guys that know. And then they do the data collection and they do, you know. Create the experience where then it's a social media just buzz and yeah, it's amazing. Does he ever do any sort of wellness stuff that way? He does all of it. He does wellness. He does fitness. He does. He's doing something for Microsoft. Doing something for a makeup company. Doing oh my god, so it's yeah. And so they're creating this huge makeup company. I can't tell you who it is, but they want to create a major experience. They're trying to figure out how do we do because all these other companies are coming in now, like 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 out in New York or something for for the public to see. Yeah, yeah. they want to they want to make it about. They don't even care about the money. They're like, we have got to try to do something with this brand that's been around for so long and create a major experience so we don't get lost with these new companies that are coming in that are hip and cool, right? Yeah. So he's he's got that that he's and, handling. And do, does, do, they, do they pop up around the country or do they just Yeah, go, like uh, he I just heard him today on the phone they were talking about doing something in the in the big cities. Oh so, my god. Yeah, it'd be Sounds really very cool. And, yeah. and they're free, right? They're, they're, yeah, they're, but exactly. The companies for, pay for them. Exactly. Yeah. Millennial Park in Chicago or something, right? <laughs> right. That's the kind of thing I'm sure he would do. Yeah. Oh, th- those sound. It's I. I, I you know, I'm thinking about you getting up at six in the morning. I, that gets exhausting. But I think how exhausting it would be to put something like that together. I mean, he, just, he, he, it's his passion. But it's like so, it's like a production, like a like a it show. Is, yeah. It is. But that's why I say I think maybe we are better off without kids because I yeah, don't know yeah. how we could do our schedules. Yeah. Seriously. And did he? Um, what did he grow up? He grew up in Winnipeg, in Canada. And, and you said you guys are going to do some mission work. Yeah. You have, you have the same uh, faith and. Yes. And, yes. And, and so mission in other countries? or where? Yeah, that's what we were thinking about. Well, we actually adopted this little boy uh, through World Vision years ago. When we first got together, that was 13 years ago. And his name is Fisher. And so we've seen him grow up, mm. the pictures from World Vision and all. That, when I say adopted, I mean, you yeah. know, through World Vision. Funded. Right, funded. So it's cool to see, you know, his education and all that. He, was coming, he writes his little letters. We can actually go there, we found out, he? to see him. He's in uh, Zimbabwe. Oh, my God. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we were thinking about, I think we need to do that. Like, that should be our first trip. Good for you guys. No, yeah. don't adopt yet. Not, you're not ready. No. You got to do all this stuff first. <laughs> I know. Exactly. I'm going to go back to your first WWE uh, experience. Yes. The, the fans gave you a bit of grief. I, oh, yeah. I they heard. did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Tell yeah. me about that. How did you overcome that? Oh, my God. No, you know what's so crazy is I think about that was pre social media too. It must have uh, been like directly like it was in on the event. website. Okay. It was on the website that they would uh, comment. You know, yeah. but thank God it was yeah. before Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> I don't know, but I think before I answer that, I think about the moment when Mark told me that twenty minutes before I went on, live. This is live on Monday Night Raw. Okay, so now you're live in like 186 countries. <laughs> I mean, the pressure, like, like, whoa, with no cue cards. What? So 10 minutes before we went, I started, like, hyperventilating a little bit. I mean, what if it hadn't you been know? somebody with a photographic memory? They would have been I just know. shit out of luck. <laughs> it would have been know. somebody who goes, well, the, this I big know. guy is attacking this big guy. Now they'll never do that. They have a yeah. whole NXT's, a whole training ground where they prepare you. They never would do that. Back then, the Attitude Era, yeah. everything went, you yeah, know. Yeah. But 10 minutes before going live, I just, I'll never forget, my heart was just like really come falling <laughs> out of my chest. I'm hyperventilating and I'm saying to myself, I can't do this. I can't do this. There's no way I can step in there and do this. I don't know how to do this job. Who tried, you know, like all these little things are popping up, right? I literally had that moment of, I think I'm going to get sick. I've never had that in my life, but I literally had it then. And I thought, run. Just run. Yeah, run <laughs> Just away. run. Nobody has seen you. Nobody knows about you. Just run. And I don't know what kept me in my seat, but something did. But I'm so grateful because the journey that I've had with that company and now getting ready to go back for WrestleMania to announce oh, how fun. the WrestleMania Women's Battle Royal, the first ever, the official Battle Royal there, that it is so amazing. And and I think about, God, if I would have run, <laughs> how many times do we do that in our lives that where we go, no, we can't do it, and we don't. Right. right? There's this weird 
there's a sort of a switch sometimes that goes off. You just go, I'm just going in. You just go, I'm, I'm doing just going to go do it and come what may, here we go. Well, what happened was is I had a flashback. Oh, interesting. I did. I had a flashback in that moment. My mom at nine years old put me in the swim team without knowing how to swim. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, so, good for her. That, sink or swim. <laughs> but that's a good thing. That, that, that was, kind of thing. It was great. Yeah, that kind of thing. We don't put kids enough in these days. Yes. You know what I mean? I, I, yes. I was uh, talking to one of my sons about, you know, he's really able to overcome adversity now. I said, where, where did that start? And he said, well, football. You know, no, actually, he said he had a, sort of a bad injury when he was younger and he had, had to get through that. But the next one was f- football. I was not good and I had to be good. Yeah. <laughs> I got good. And that, that those are – experiences that if you don't have, you don't know what that is. Right. You know what I mean? That you don't trust yourself to be able to overcome. Exactly. You just become helpless. Yeah. As opposed to going, I'm just going to do this. Well, I literally got into the swim team and I, because eight and under does one lap, they swim one lap because you're nine and over, you had to swim two. Mm-mm. So not knowing how to swim and I didn't know how to breathe properly and all of that. I just remember being in a meet, my very first meet, I was in the relay team oh and God. I swam one lap. And I came back and I went to the side and I gulped water. all this oh. water and I, I was choking. Oh. So I had to stop. And when you touch the bottom, that's it. You're disqualified. Uh. So my whole team was disqualified. Oh. I was so upset. I started crying oh. in the middle of the pool, you know, because I was just so upset that I let my team down. Yeah, yeah. That, and I couldn't do it. So right then I remembered that moment. And I said, no, you're not letting anyone down. They have hired you. They believe in you. You got to believe in yourself and you got to just do this. And I'm so, like I said, I'm so grateful I did. I, I bet there's so. a million other, well, a million, many, many dozens of other experiences you've had since. Yeah. I got thrown you, into radio without knowing how to run the controls. Exactly. You don't even think about it now. You just do it. You just go ahead. It's, you got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do it. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, I... That's a really – we got we got to bottle those moments a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Because if, if you miss them in childhood, how yeah. do you get them in adulthood? It's, right, right, right. Because we don't have those kinds of opportunities I think, to fail. <laughs> I don't like the whole pampering that's going on. I don't like I the know. whole everyone gets a trophy. Uh, it's terrible. I worked so hard for those ribbons when yeah. I was in swim team. They meant something. You did not get anything until unless you got – you know, you worked your butt off and so, you got So it. you were able to overcome some of your swimming – Skills, oh, I ended up swimming until I was 18 in the swim team. Isn't that interesting? I won. I held the record for breaststroke. I won many ribbons, and I ended up becoming a swim coach for two years. Oh my god! Yeah. So that I that's loved it. Interesting. I loved it. Yeah. And it was. Did you love it immediately, or did you did you say to yourself, "I'm going to oh, be good at this"? I and remember when I started crying in the middle of the pool. My mom says, "I remember I'm nine, so things are a little hazy." But yeah, I sure. remember that moment, like, yeah. and I remember. I was so mad at myself, yeah. right? And I'll never forget, I watched another meet. I didn't quit. I was rehearsing, you know, practicing, practicing. But I watched another meet and there was another girl that swam, but she swam with her head out. And I was like, wait, she can't do that. What's going on there? Disqualify her. They're like, no, you can do that. You just can't touch the bottom. Uh, so I was like, wait, what did you tell me? Tell me? <laughs> Here I am at trying to learn how to swim and trying to learn how to breathe at the same time on the side. Uh, so when that happened, I was able to practice a little bit more with my head out yeah. and then eventually get to the rhythm and all. But I just kept at it. And mom said that that's just been me since I was in ballet and, and all that. She put us in a lot of things. Good for her. Oh, and, it was great. And, and then let me ask this do you in the at the chasing glory interviews do you yeah. find people do you focus on those sorts of experiences do oh you, yes yeah it, 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 other than overcoming mental health and trauma right. and that kind of stuff do you find those sort of sentinel experiences that people have oh, it, it's yeah. a magical yeah. when you see and you know what's magical too is when you don't when people don't know and when we're talking having a conversation and that comes out and yeah. I'll go, hey, so do you think that this, you know, and they're like, oh my God, you know, I've connected well, the dots. Well, I, I, but I like that you're the one doing the interviews because you, you have a vivid experience with that. And so you'll yeah. spot it, you know, you'll see it as it True. comes out. They may not even be thinking about it. And yeah. then all of a sudden you go, yeah, that was a pretty sentinel, pretty important oh, experience well, overcoming fill in the blank. That, uh, it reminds me of an interview that I did with Mandy Rose mm. and beautiful, beautiful girl. And she's beautiful inside, but the problem is she's built such a wall that a lot of people can't get to see that. Mm. She literally came on my show and she was just open about everything, which I loved. And she was talking, we started talking about her dad and she started breaking down a little bit. And she said that 
it was really hard for her to witness how her dad treated her mother and how he didn't really admire her and all. And I said to her, I was like, huh, so do you, because she puts a lot of emphasis on her looks. So I was like, so maybe you're putting a lot of emphasis on your looks because you want to make sure that a man is going to make sure to notice you and admire you. The problem is then the the pattern is the humans get into is then you'll have a series of guys that do exactly what dad did. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Even so, though even though she can control it because of her looks, she still ends yeah. up recreating the traumas. Is well, she out of that now? She broken free? <laughs> well, she's I mean, she literally had that aha moment, oh. right, with that. What she realized from that interview is that she's got to let people in to mm. get to see who she is because she does want to be seen. She's like, I want to be known more than just a pretty girl. Yeah. I was like, well, in order for you to do that, you got to put your wall down because nobody young? can. Yeah, she's yeah. in her 20s. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She's plenty of time. Right. She's totally. Yeah. And she's just started with WWE not long ago. Uh, so it's going to – this is going to be one of <laughs> – this is a, a ground – I mean, it, I don't know – it's a fascinating place, but man, you grow up fast yeah. too, and traveling the world. Oh yeah, so quickly. And uh, so they get it at Podcast One app or iTunes. Anything up you're excited about right now? You want them to listen to? I have so everything is so amazing, yeah, right? Yeah. You, there's just little nuggets of just brilliance in all the interviews because they're being so open. So um, I love Jinder Mahal as somebody. He plays a heel on TV, but when you actually hear him, so smart in right. the way that this is a guy who got fired. That's what who, I noticed about a lot of these guys are very smart, aren't they? Oh, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're, they're brilliant. A lot of them are super smart. Yeah, I noticed that. He got fired. He was drinking all that. Uh-oh. He decided to turn his life around. He got into nutrition. He came back, like jacked, looked amazing, and he ended up winning the WWE Championship. And it's just a beautiful story to see how he went from rock bottom to the top. Great. Yeah. Check so, that out. There's a lot of Well, I appreciate there. you being open and talking to us here. I'm sure everyone's be very interested in going seeing Chasing Glory or listening to Chasing Glory. Yes. Congratulations on that and, and your career and all the Thank you. serendipity in it and the fun you've had with it. Good for you. Thank you. And uh, I'm fascinated by your husband's stuff, too. So I look for his <laughs> stuff out there. X. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. 